Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The podcast you are about to listen to contains spoilers. You have been warned. You are listening to CouchCutter.com. Hi there. My name is Rebecca. I just love to buy exclusive items through CouchCutter.com. Pick up the limited edition Dear God No shirt designed by the director James Anthony Bickert. And coming soon, an exclusive line of limited edition Astron 6 shirts. Cool guys? More like hot guys. <laughs> and when the exclusive selection just isn't big enough, I buy all of my Amazon products through Couch Cutter's affiliate store. All items are ordered and fulfilled through Amazon, but I'm supporting the people that make shows like this possible. Mmm, my butthole's all drippy and wet now. Gotta go. to call her his baby mama <laughs> my baby mama my baby mama i'm gonna tase you baby mama <laughs> good evening ladies and gentlemen and welcome to another drunk on vhs this is mo and with me today i have got a host you know <laughs> he likes to talk you know british yeah that's Strength. one of the best introductions, Mo, I think I've ever had on any guest appearance. Yeah, I stumbled like right at the beginning there and it's just nice. fell apart. But uh, yeah, Mr. John Cross from the After Movie Diner. Welcome, sir. Ooh. Yeah, hi, man. How you doing? You good? It's it's amazing how many, like, like how life bites you in the ass sometimes, because uh, I, uh, <laughs> as, as I'm sure you can attest to, yes. um, yeah, no, I had uh, two other guests at one point or another scheduled to be on the show tonight with us and yep. uh and both have uh unceremoniously opted out um you know citing personal reasons can, can i ask a question 
did you at any point tell them that I would also be on the show? Yeah, and then immedi- yeah. and immediately yeah. afterwards they said, fuck that guy. Yeah. <laughs> I've got better things to do. <laughs> there's, there's, there's your problem right I know. I, I, shouldn't, I should never tell the truth. They're no. like, isn't that that guy who laughed really hard at the death at the you know at the idea of death at the end of Lemon Popsicle and I said yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so sorry about that now what you should see it's so much funnier to tell people that I'm not on the show in fact you couldn't get hold of me and then when they come on the show I say nothing you don't even introduce me and then all of a sudden I'm like, like hey, I'm here to discuss Pam Greer movies and they're like oh fuck and then they have to deal with it on air that's, great. that's well next time I know yeah. <laughs> But I, I know how life can bite your ass. In fact, I'm sitting here on only half a buttock. I used to have two and a, two full ones, and now I just have half one left. Lovely. Yes, indeed, sir. Yes, indeed. But if anything, if anything can lift our spirits from our uh, collective uh, negativity, it, it could be the, the wonderful, uh, serene, and beautiful presence that bosom. is... And, and bosom. Uh, of of uh, Ms. Pamela Greer. You know... Uh... When I first posted on Twitter that I was looking for a third for this episode, and I, I specifically at mentioned Pam Greer, and she started following me. Yes, of course she did. Because <laughs> she's she's beautiful. She is my first lady of cinema. Like the more the more stuff I've seen of hers, and and the you it, know it's impossible. It's impossible to not fall in love with her. Right, yeah. but but even even more than that, when I think of other actresses, uh, you know, without any sort of sense of hyperbole or anything, sure, sure, sure. When I when I think of other actresses and whatever, and there's many that I admire, and many that I like, but yeah, Pam is just she's number one, man. She's she's my queen, my first lady of cinema, whatever you want to call it. She's uh, she's the ticket. Amen to that, brother. Mm, indeed, sir. Indeed. So- so as uh, as listeners are probably guessing at this point, this episode is about uh, the one and only the fabulous Pam Greer. Yes, and, indeed. Um, you know we're going to talk specifically about a couple of movies, but we'll probably be bouncing all over her, you know, entire. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Are you just constantly trying to make breast innuendos? This I, I I wasn't trying to, but I got caught up in my own uh, vision <laughs> of her bouncing and uh, nice. yeah, her filmography. Yeah, and you know, as 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 much as the 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 breast is phenomenal, uh, I also want to point out I do like her as an actress. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, me too. She's uh, one. Of, she's one of the few that uh, that managed to uh, you know go above and beyond and out of that exploitation, you know, be it black exploitation or just straight up exploitation films from the seventies, you know, into like real work. Now, right. granted, you know, her, her entire filmography is sort of, you know, speckled with, uh, <laughs> with, you know, lower than normal budget, uh, fair and, uh, and, and slightly under, par uh performances not by her by by other people you know but uh you know but but basically it's a pretty safe assumption to say that if she's in the movie it's already better than it should have been yeah definitely and she has that she has that essential mix that i think um that the best actresses have although i'm i'm now being told annoyingly you have to call them all actors which i really don't understand because that would just be like calling everyone a man i don't really understand why man and woman is fine that division is fine so why is an actor and actress that division fine but yeah, i'm being told like, yeah, it doesn't make any sense anyway i'm going to continue to call her an actress but um and a woman uh but um 
Well, I'm going to call her a man. Okay. <laughs> Which she plays in Escape from L.A. Uh, but um, only John Carpenter could look at Pam Greer and go, I think I'm going to have a play a man. Uh, well, he's a bit of an odd duck anyway. So. Yeah. But no, I was going to say she has the perfect combination of strength and sensitivity. Sure that that uh, uh, an actress needs in order to i mean certainly in order to pull off the roles uh, she's done but i think in in anything it's a it's a pleasing mix you you obviously don't want someone who's weak and sensitive because then you know you get into a whole difficult territory of like oh well this woman's just walked all over and she's yeah. you know whatever she's got to have that strength she's got to have that backbone and that assertiveness but she never has that um, assertiveness with a, with a negative connotation to it. You're never like, oh, I wish she wasn't being so aggressive. You always are rooting for her. You always wanted to succeed, and you're always um, uh, backing her play and her strength and her positivity and everything she brings. She's, to her, she's right? never a bitch about it. No, never. Yeah, and, that, and that's the and Not that's in the films we're talking about anyway. No, no, no. But I mean, you know, I mean, I've seen most of her films. She's never. I mean, she's you know she she plays angry really really well. She plays aggressive really well. Um, she never plays anything with uh, with an with an air of you know bitchy attitude unless the role calls for it. Right. I mean, exactly. Uh, I mean, in, in the first movie we're going to talk about, Black Mama and White Mama, oh, Black Mama, White Mama, rather, that is led up to by three other um, Philippine movies she did uh, for Roger Corman, which are the basically women in prison movies. Mm. Uh, Big Dollhouse, Women in Cages, and The Big Birdcage. And I think in The Big Birdcage, um, I forget if I've seen The Big Birdcage or The Big Dollhouse. I've seen one of them. Anyway, yeah, those I know titles. that it, <laughs> and also because Sid Haig plays a, a, basically like, the same who, role. <laughs> yeah, a guy who's going to come in and like break people out of prison in every role, um, or do something criminal, or just be a big sleazy, tashed, pockmarked, oh, crazy. I love it. Gotta gotta love Sid Haig. But no, in, in one of those movies, she plays like she, she's not exactly like the prison bully, but she's certainly kind of got a mouth on her, and she's a bit more edgy and I, I think lesbian uh, in in one of the films. But even in even in that role, uh, you're never like, oh, I don't like her, or why is she being like that. You're just like, oh no, I get it. She's fighting her corner of, you know, whatever her personal agenda is, and exactly. it sort of completely works. Everything leading up to Black Mama, White Mama, she and even in Black Mama, White Mama, she plays like a slightly antagonistic, slightly aggressive role where you know because there's meant to be banter between yeah. the two, and even doing that, she's appealing. You know yeah, I mean? exactly, exactly. You never, you never go into one of those early, you know, films thinking, you know, thinking she's not great. <laughs> you know, right. yeah. And I, th I think she's picked, and you never hate her. That's the best part, right? And I think she's picked uh, at all in those uh, women in cages movies. Merely uh, to to be the the bully, if at all, is 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 mainly because she has that strength on screen. Exactly, she projects it. You can't really. You know, because there's some horrible bits in, you know, Coffee and Foxy Brown and stuff where she's really, you know, put through the ringer, especially in Foxy Brown. Yeah, yeah. They what they do to her in Foxy Brown is... Drugs and... Yeah, yeah, right. Drugs and rape and all sorts of stuff. And, you know, when she stands up off the bed afterwards when she's woken up from this abysmal nightmare and she stands up off the bed, you, you immediately feel her... Look, I'm not going to be knocked down by these hillbillies. In exactly. fact, I'm going to like stab them and set them on fire. Fuck them. You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, she has she has a look of like determination, and you and, and it's like it's it's that moment you like look at her and you say, "Oh fuck, 
you know, and you and you almost kind of feel bad for the guys who she's gonna get her revenge on because you know they're in for something awful. Yeah, I never feel bad, Mo, but that says more about, <laughs> <you>. <laughs> about me. Well, you know, I mean, being a rapist, I do. Uh, sure, no, I'm just I'll kidding. Go. I'm kidding. No, I th- I think that. Uh, she has a really good dignity about her as well. Yeah, I'm yeah. being all serious on your show, dude. Stop being serious. <laughs> Here, I'll, I'll help. I start being young. <laughs> what was that? That was me making a duck noise. Oh, okay. I thought you had like one of those little cans that have animal sounds in. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, it's just when you bring the when you bring the the fanboy out of me about Ms. Greer, then uh, I, I sort of start to wax rhapsodic. I'm afraid. But no, uh, I, I wax something a... else. Yeah, I know. Yeah, well, you, 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 you wax. You wax. I wax master Masonic. <laughs> that's the new title of your. Book. <laughs> that's my new. That's my new book. <laughs> oh boy, I waxed master, master Masonic. Nice. Look, look for it by Penguin Press. <laughs> the, the, the Pam Greer story. Um... <laughs> the Pam Greer story. But um. Uh, no, she has that dignity she's, and, and, the, and the strength and sensitivity and all that. And and it's it's on. It's 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 what you're looking for in a woman or in an actress or in a performer or you know it, it, it's sort of an ideal and it's it's kind of a bit bonkers that you don't come across that more often. Just in people in general, just that that you know proud dignity without being sort of arrogant and that strength and sensitivity and whatever well not not in america you don't (laughs) no no if you're if you're proud and you have quote-unquote dignity yeah there's definitely an air of arrogance behind that always and what would you say dude if i sort of said that like helen mirren kind of has it yeah in a weird way like she seems to be the kind of caucasian pam greer in some some respects do you know what i mean i would certainly bang them both yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, I'm meaning that when, <laughs> meaning that when they do exploitation stuff and they have to, you know, become topless or whatever like that, it, it never feels, even if it's most ludicrous, even when like in Black Mama, White Mama, when they're like wrestling in the mud and, mm. uh, you know, and stuff like that and, and various others, or the shower scene in Black Mama, White Mama, which is just ludicrous. Um, By ludicrous, you mean brilliant. <laughs> Right, but but in the sense that where literally the director was like, okay, so it says on the paper shower scene. How long can I get away with? Well, I mean, like, I mean, a black mama, white mama, like right before that shower scene is the greatest line in cinematic history. He goes, uh, he goes, all right, strip them and get them wet. Right, exactly. And it's like. You know, it's like it makes you wonder if that was if that was a line of dialogue or if that was stage direction. <laughs> either way, either way, all all movies should have that yeah. line. And and why are the prison guards wearing hot pants? Don't question it. Just go with it. Yeah. Uh, but the uh, no, I was going to say is even in even in those movies and even when she is sort of forced to do uh, nudity sort of throughout the first sort of ten years of her career. Mm-hmm. Um, It, it it always feels like she, she sort of she's doing it and she's happy to be doing it. And she's well, it's funny. It's funny. It. She actually she actually makes what would look like an exploitive move to any uh, on any other actress. She makes it look uh, like empowering. Yes. Yeah. 
And I, I never forget when something rotten and terrible like Basic Instinct came out. And in fact, recently when there was like a, I don't know whether it's the 10, 10 year or 15 year, whatever it was, but I saw some article that was going on about like Catherine Trammell in that movie being like a feminist icon. And I was like, what are you talking about? She's a mass murdering nymphomaniac. Yeah. Like idiot. Like I don't, there's nothing about that role that Sharon Stone plays. And she used to get all this, oh, Sharon Stone's such a feminist icon and she's a woman over 40 who takes her clothes off. I'm like, that doesn't make you a feminist icon. That just yeah, makes, it just you, makes you an, it makes you an old slut. Or, or, <laughs> it, may, <laughs> or it, it makes you, the unfortunately, an actress that has been pigeonholed. Mm. Yet, you know, as to because of Basic Instinct and then Sliver and other movies, it, 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 it kind of become like that. And it's, it's, I find it so weird that someone like, um, uh, oh, what's her name? Um, Anne Hathaway is already going down that path of like every single movie, it's got to be breast out. And it never feels, even though when Pam Greer was making these movies back in the 70s, they were hugely exploitative. They were sure. exploitative with the crews and exploitative oh, yeah. with the actors. And, you know, it was done in the Philippines and they were paid nothing and whatever. Um and even when she came back to uh, uh, America to do the American international pictures that she does, you know, they're still fairly low budget. And I can't imagine that, you know, people were on the set going, oh, it's a it's an empowering artistic decision to have this, Ameri uh, you know, African-American woman. Look, look, I, I don't but, I don't think anybody in the uh, in the offices of American International ever once said this will be empowering. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What else? What they said is. This will have tits and will make us money. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. But there's something about the way that she she does it like like you say that it it feels empowering. Well, yeah, and that's because it's her, not I mean, like anybody else it doesn't look like that. I mean, even no. if even if you look at any other actress she ever works with, it doesn't feel the same. There's not that air of confidence in there. There's not that uh, you know, not that uh that you know, proud stride that you know that she has it's only because it's pam greer anybody else i mean yeah i mean it's like i think a great example is uh uh the um what is it is it foxy brown or is it yeah i think it's foxy foxy brown where she has that friend of hers who she's trying to get like out of state or something like that, you know, to go. Yeah, like, she's, her, her friend, the hooker friend that she makes. Yeah. The hook. Undercover the exactly. Hooker. Uh, she's got a husband, uh, a man and a son who's gone up to, they go up to Seattle or something. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. I, I mean, and, and you, you know, you look at her and it, you don't get the same feeling, you know, f from her, you know, it's just, yeah. it's just not the same thing. Now, she's I mean, playing a very pathetic character to be fair. Well, yeah, I, to be fair. I mean, yeah, I've seen her play, you know, powerful characters before that actress whose name i don't know off the top of my head which is probably not a good sign i'm gonna look it up very quickly. <laughs> uh is it uh, is it i don't know who it is is it it's not juanita brown is it no uh, i don't know of course there's no bloody pictures on why, why would there be pictures right Him uh yeah i mean it might be juanita brown i think so she's not in a lot of movies no. She's only in this and Caged Heat and Willie Dynamite. Yeah, then it's definitely her then, because I because okay. I definitely remember her from Willie Dynamite, which is one of my favorite black exploitations ever. Oh, one of my favorites. It's such a great fucking movie. Uh, <laughs> if I ever do an entire episode on ridiculous clothing in a film, I'll I'll, I'll do uh, an entire expose on fucking Willie Dynamite. Because I, I I would like to point out though what bullshit IMDb is. 
it has Pamela Greer known for Jackie Brown, which I can sort of take, but yeah. whatever. Mars Attacks, The L Word, and Steven Seagal's Above the Law. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no uh, def- definitely uh, not. Definitely not. Any of any any. In fact, they could have they could have thrown a dart at her resume and found something she is better known for than any of those things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sorry, dude. Carry on. I think I cut you up there. Uh, but I was just saying, like, with with that other actress who sure. uh, you just don't you don't get the same sort of thing, and in any of her ro- ro- uh, movies either, you know, any of her roles, she it's not the same thing, you know. It's just it's just a certain je ne sais quoi. <laughs> that, yeah, that... I I mean it, it's and it's a very very uh, charming and appealing yeah. you know trait to have in a. Uh, uh, in any actor there is a scene at the end I believe it's at the end of Friday Foster um, where she's kind of arm in arm with uh, Yafet Koto no no Yafet Koto is across from her uh, oh yeah Thalmus Thalmus Russell Lala whatever his name is because she's got three guys in that movie yeah exactly exactly (laughs) and the other guy on the other side of her you know what the fuck hold on a second it's the suburban Sasquatch coming together. <laughs> um, yeah, so she's got uh, Thalmus Rasulala, you know, in one in, on one arm, and and sure. the other guy on the other, you know, and she kind of like pulls them both in tight, you know, and gives them both a quick look, and then winks and blows a kiss over to fucking Yafet yeah. Koto, yeah. and it's like whoa just that one that one shot it's just it's heaven like you know like you're not like it's not even a it's you you don't see the body it's just her face and all she does is wink and blow a kiss and it's just like it's enough it's of course it's yeah. a, it's enough to keep you interested you know and it's like and it, it's it almost it almost makes you pissed off that you waited the entire movie to get that <laughs> <laughs> well no i mean Friday Foster is a is a cracking movie. In fact, I mean, I, I've seen in the lead up to this, I've seen you know Coffee and Foxy Brown. I've watched again and uh, Black Mama, White Mama, obviously, and and I've seen a couple of the Women in Prison ones as well. Yeah. The only one I haven't, the only couple of later one later seventies ones or mid seventies ones rather that I haven't seen is Bucktown and Sheba Baby, which I'm going to check out. Yeah, Sheba uh, Baby's really great. Bucktown's okay. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I just like I like Fred Williamson, but. But when I saw uh, Friday Foster, which I had on a, a double disc, and I saw that it was her and Yafet Koto, I was like, oh, I can't. I mean, Yafet Koto is just one of my favorite actors. Growing up watching He's Homicide, amazing. I just, like, Yafet Koto can say anything and do anything. And you're just like, my God, that man is cool. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, I was going to say, Yafet Koto got me with, uh, with Live and Let Die. Right, of course. That's the other thing that I've yeah. seen him in. Yeah, 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 yeah. As, you know, uh, as Mr. Big, and then just amazing. Uh, yeah, and then he has that really unconvincing like face that he pulls off because it's like the mask reveal. <laughs> the mask reveal when you think to yourself, you can't cover up Yafet Koto's face because nope. it's it's so distinctive and his head's so enormous. Well, the best, the great thing about that scene <laughs> is that it's like he's wearing a mask, but he still looks like Yafet Koto. <laughs> of course. I mean, how could you cover up Yafet Koto's face? He could be wearing like a full monster prosthetic. He'd be like, yep, that's Yafet. Because <laughs> the head would be three times the size of the body. That's in true. a good way, in a cool way. Like yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's incredible. Yeah, he's always, um, he, he's always had a... Um, have you ever seen The Monkey Hustle? I haven't. No, I haven't seen a lot of stuff with him in it apart from like the stuff we're mentioning. Well, I, I was gonna say I think I think 
the next film on your to watch list should be sure. the Monkey Hustle. Because okay. um, he play he plays sort of like a uh, a two bit um, kind of like con man, and uh, and he's got a couple of he's got a couple of uh, young guys like kind of like working for him like pulling off these hustles and and uh, and, and there's uh, and he's amazing in that. Um, and uh, and then there's probably the best non-starring Rudy Ray Moore role ever, where he plays a character named Goldie. Uh, <laughs> and, and you'll you'll see what Goldie looks like as soon as you see the box art because he's very prominent on the front cover. And basically, Goldie wears like gold, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like he's basically wearing like a chainmail vest, like made of gold. It's insane. Nice. Oh man. But no, because I, I mean, I've seen like in the subject of black exploitation, I've seen a fair bit of like Williamson stuff, uh-huh. and I've seen a fair bit of Greer stuff, um, you know. But but I'm still, it's it's yet another genre that I am expanding on. Yeah, you know, every year, and you know, and I saw like most of the ones you were talking about with Doug and stuff, most of the the, the big ones and things. In fact, there's there's a couple I haven't seen that I've ordered, but. Um, which the, ones you guys were talking about was that the uh what was the truck one again oh truck turner yeah, yeah, I, yeah. isaac hayes Whew. it's on a double bill with um i don't know it's on a double bill it's on one of those soul collection sure sure discs where they still because i have like three of those and they have uh they have three or four pam greer ones like that that are on two two films in one disc and they're only about like 5.99 now so i just mm. picked up a few uh and I have the the other one I want to see with Pam Greer in it is that that, that I own as well is the arena, um, where uh, she's like the gladiator. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't wait to see. Have it. you ever seen any of her like weirder sort of like eighties and nineties stuff? Um, I'm just looking. I was going to mention actually with the Yafet Koto thing. Oh sure, we sure. Just, we just found tonight that Yafet Koto and my you know the person I'm discussing most on the diner recently, James Woods did a, did a TV movie together called badge of the assassin. Awesome. Where they travel from New York to San Francisco to new Orleans on the trail of a killer. Yafet Koto is a cop and James Woods is a defense attorney. That's amazing. And I, but it's, it's only available on VHS. So you need to obviously own that movie. Well, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but no, her later stuff. I'm just looking now. Well, not later. I mean, like, like in eighties and nineties. Eighties and nineties. I was just watching a movie that she did called No Tomorrow, which was made by Master P. Oh yeah, and yeah. Has yeah. Um, Gary Daniels, uh, Gary Busey, and uh... well, Doctor uh, Doctor Action's really gotten to you. <laughs> yeah, right. Gary Busey, Gary Daniels, and uh, who's the guy from? I'm gonna uh, from. Oh, fuck, cut this out. The guy from Lawnmower Man, what's his name? Jeff Fahey. Jeff Fahey, that's it, yeah, it's got him in it as well. I see it's got Frank Zagarino in it too, holy Wait moly. a minute, oh no, Pam Greer is in Badge of the Assassin as well. Yep. She's in that as well. Uh, so I would love to own that. Um, <laughs> so if you ever have that on VHS, I will copy it. Uh, no, I mean, the only one I've really seen is Above the Law, I guess. Oh, and Class of 1999. Yeah, I was going to say, Class of 1999, man, she... she... I don't know how the hell she pulled that one off. <laughs> well, I don't know how she plays like the big dreadlocked gangster who's used to be a man in Escape from L.A. That's like one of the weirdest roles I've ever seen her in. 
Yeah, right? <laughs> it's completely weird. I mean, you know, not the dreadlocks bit, but she looks crazy because she's, you know, it's meant to be all, she's meant to be like the Tina Turner part, but I think from like Thunderdome, but I think Carpenter was like, yeah, you're Tina Turner, but with a cock. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's, it's, it's both criminal and great that she shows up in so many movies, like stuff like Mars Attacks and uh, what was the other one that I've seen her in recently? Um like stuff like Larry Crown and stuff, but but so underused. Like, why yeah. is she not still leading, uh, you know, leading in her own movies? Because she's a, you know, she's an icon. I mean, of all the sort of older actresses who are iconic, you know, there's really only a handful, and it's like her and Meryl Streep and yeah. people like that. Um, you know, and you and especially especially if you, I mean, and if you want to talk about people who you know, who were doing exploitation films in the 70s. I mean, it's her and Helen Mirren. Right. You know. Right. And even she was doing, like, classy exploitation. Yeah, exactly. Like I mean, she, yeah, she was doing Caligula, you know, to uh, to Pam Grier's Women in Prisons, but still, right. I mean, pretty pretty but, dirty shit. But let's talk uh, quickly. I mean, let's talk about Friday Foster. Yeah, while we have a chance. I mean, yeah. I found Black Mama, White Mama, to be honest, just very quickly on that one. I found that movie, while it's, while it's great... And it, it's got the same kind of vibe as those other Filipino movies. It's it's. I didn't find it as good or as satisfying as a. It could have been with yeah. the whole setup. Sure, sure. And, and and secondly, as those other ones, the Big Dollhouse and and the Big Birdcage, which yeah. I find to be much better and more inventive. Yeah, Big Dollhouse and Big Bird, Big Birdcage are, are definitely the the better films. I, I I mean, you know, Black Mama, White Mama is still a B plus movie though. Oh yeah, you know, of course. Yeah. And you've got like Sid Haig wearing the most outrageously ridiculous wardrobe i think ever put on someone who's meant to be a red hot <laughs> yeah uh, and that oh my god and that stash oof. oh the stash is incredible he's walking around in basically like a gay flamenco outfit it's true most yeah. of the film. it's true uh, <laughs> and you find him in like this pool hall and he's wearing like, this hippie <laughs> hippie smock that looks like <laughs> looks like uh fucking I, i'm trying to think Oh, it looks like Timothy Leary sneezed all over it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Man. You know, it's it's funny. The first time I ever saw Sid Haig was in this movie called Spider Baby. Right. Um, which is one which is which is one of my favorite movies of all time. And at any time I, I get the opportunity to to introduce somebody to Spider Baby, I I do. In fact, I introduced it to a group of guys who all subsequently stopped talking to me because of it. Um <laughs> Because because they fucking hated it. <laughs> uh, but Sid Sid Haig in that plays um, sort of a uh, severely developmentally challenged uh, you know young man um, who who basically uh, has the urge to to murder people. Nice, you know, yeah, and like him and his sisters basically are are all kind of psychotics you know um but he's probably the most demented of them and uh and, and it's funny because like after seeing that movie where he has no hair no facial hair uh you know you can't like he doesn't look like himself in that movie and it's and it was it was sort of weird because the next thing i saw him in or the next thing i realized it was him that i saw him in was that rob zombie movie whichever one what was the one that he was in 
House of a Thousand. Yeah, Corpses. House of a Thousand Corpses, and I'm like, and I'm like, he's been in all of them. He's in all of Rob Zombie's movies. Right? Yeah, but I mean, like that was the first, the first one. That, what that way Rob's, he plays the clown? Where he plays, yeah, Captain yeah. Spaulding, and and like, and imagine, imagine for me the jump between those two roles, and it's just like, holy shit, right? You know, exactly. And then, yeah. and then, and that's when I realized who he was, and that's when I realized I had seen a million things with him in it, and started putting two and two together with all these other fucking like weird seventies films. And, uh, man, that, like, that was, like, a love affair, like, you know, that, that blossomed from, you know, nothing, or not realizing what it, what it, what it, who it was that I was looking at. Right, exactly. And it, yeah. I mean, that's one of the appeals, because I had seen a lot of the, the, the Filipino stuff off the back of, um, uh, Machete Maidens Unleashed. And then uh, when I went on and watched Coffee, which I hadn't seen in a long time, I'd seen that way back when, but I, I didn't remember it at all. And when I went on to see like Coffee and then Foxy Brown and, and Friday Foster, it's nice to see like that they brought those actresses and, and also uh, uh, Sid Haig with, with them, albeit in small roles sometimes and whatever. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's nice to see them show up uh, time and time again in those films. It's, it, uh, you know, even with Pam being the lead or whatever, it felt like she brought a whole bunch of her friends with her, you know. Sure. Um, which was, which I always like. Like the moment any filmmaker or actor or whatever sort of forms a group and you can see some people like with a common cause and some friends doing some good work together. Uh, I, I love that. I like, I'm always drawn, drawn to that kind of stuff. Um, my favorite, my favorite of hers is coffee. Hands down, my favorite of hers is coffee. I think it's, it's Foxy Brown, but without the harsh, like the really harsh kind of grindhouse element. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, it's a, it's a bit more fun, and you know the soundtrack's a bit more bouncy and funky, and you know it's it's a bit more tongue in cheek, which I like. Um, but Friday Foster is a terrific find as well. I hadn't, I hadn't even really heard of that until I got the double disc, and uh, yeah, watching Friday Foster with her and Yafet Koto, and then like you say, like the other. Uh, love the love triangle that slowly forms as you find out that she's kind of with everybody um, <laughs> without it ever being really mentioned. And then, of course, you've got Carl Weathers as the bad guy in that, which is just tre- tremendous. His death scene is one of my favorite death scenes of all time. Like, the, yeah. like I wanted to grab a screenshot, um, but it was I streamed it through uh, through Netflix, so I couldn't. But like, yeah, he's holding up the board, like getting ready to uh, to hit <laughs> Yafet, and he, the look on his face is just brilliant. Yeah, you know, and just to think, I mean, this is only a couple of years before he did Rocky, right? You know, I mean, like, and and it's still, I mean, but at this point, he's still a relatively unknown actor. <laughs> And, yeah, I can't believe how far down the call sheet he is, considering he's sort of, for two-thirds of the movie, he's like the main bad guy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. He is. He's He is essentially the main the main bad guy of the film. Um, but he was also, at that point, not a known entity. So, I mean... Right, yeah. So it sort of makes sense, you know. But it's got a great cast. I mean, you've got Eartha Kitt and Scatman Crothers in sort of support. Scatman Crothers playing a wonderfully sleazy priest oh, yeah, um, man. in the movie. And, uh, you know, Godfrey Cambridge is in there and, and some others. And Jim Backus, of course. Uh, and it's, it's just a wonderful cast. And I, I, I it's it's a good, fun movie as well because it's based on, uh, like, a comic strip, right? Mm-hmm. And um, it, it has, like, it really has that element. Like, I could see it, I could see it as a cartoon really easily. 
Sure. Uh, even you know, even though it's got all the exploitation elements of sort of sex and violence, and you know, the, you know, there's a hot tub scene and <laughs> some other stuff, uh, which is always funny because isn't she just like she's just chatting to the guy, and then the next minute, boom, they're in the hot tub. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Which I was like, and Yafet Koto wearing a series of incredibly cool outfits, um, which is another trait that Pam Grier. Pam Grier in every film has about. 17 wardrobe change <laughs> and and looks amazing in every single one of them right and in fact it's even funnier because in something like foxy brown she has about three or four hair changes as yeah, well yeah 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 she'll go from the giant fro to you know to to the down look it's pretty pretty impressive right exactly well she goes undercover you know <laughs> she goes undercover by wearing even less than she was wearing before um but uh, no, I like Friday Foster. If you want to go into like what the plot's about, whatever like that. But I I think it's a cracking movie. It's a good action movie. They go to Washington and uh, uh, there's bits in. It starts in L.A. Right? Or do they go back to L.A.? Mm, I don't rem- I don't recall. What's really odd about it is it starts in L.A. It goes to Washington, and then the last they never explain that they go back. But the whole last bit with the attack on the compound, like the big finale of the yeah, movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, where I've never, I don't understand how they knew who was good and how it's bad because it's basically just like thirty African Americans running around the wood with machine guns firing at each other. Yeah, exactly. Um, but um, it's still awesome. It's still fucking awesome. But uh, that big finale is clearly, clearly filmed in the Hollywood Hills, and yet at no point, you know, they're trying to pass it off, I guess, as Virginia, but that doesn't really. Nah. Work. It's certainly not like Baltimore or Maryland or anywhere around there. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. There's not enough like strung out people on heroin. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, there's not. There's not enough like. Uh... I was just looking at the one sheet for uh, for Friday Foster, and across the top it says "Wham Bam, Here Comes Pam." Exactly. Well, and 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 it's it's interesting that even by because you know, although uh, this is like fifth or sixth in a long run of sort of very popular films that she does Mm -hmm. it's still only really five years into her career yeah and and yet like you say they're already basing entire taglines for movies on her and she really doesn't put a foot wrong like okay maybe it's exploitation stuff but still i mean from the from the women in cages movies scream blackula scream to the arena, to Foxy Brown, Sheba Baby, Bucktown, Friday Foster. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a run for five years. It's one hell of a run for five years. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Uh, now I haven't seen Grease Lightning. Have you seen that one? I have not. No. Okay. I, I was reading up about it today because um, Richard Pryor is in it. Although, um, although Drum is pretty great. Right. Well, Richard Pryor, they're showing Grease Lightning at the New York uh, Festival for her. Oh, yeah, because we should mention that, uh, anybody in the uh, NYC. Don't mention it. I want to make sure I get tickets. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look look for look for uh, information online after John has his tickets. Yeah, after I bought my tickets on February 28th. <laughs> um, but then you see what's odd is sort of as she goes into the beginning of the 80s, and does something like Fort Apache, the Bronx, she's now way down the list below Danny Aiello and, you know, I mean, I know it's a Paul Newman movie, but uh, even so, it, you know, I just think it's it's the 70s allowed her to be Pam, and then some, there was something about the 80s that didn't really 
Well, you know, it's because black exploitation had a time and a place, and that place was the seventies, or that time was the seventies. You know, I mean, like once once the eighties started to roll in, I mean, uh, you know, like the they, they weren't really appreciated the way that they that they were the previous decade. Although they should have been. I mean, there's oh, no without a doubt. reason without why a doubt. she shouldn't have been a leading lady no, throughout the eighties. She are, transcends black exploitation. No, very no, easy. you are correct. However. Uh, she had she had gotten herself such a name in black exploitation at the time that I think that I could very easily see why a, uh, a record exec a record exec listen to me uh, a film exec would <laughs> um, you know would say oh well you know maybe she's a little tainted you know yeah well not for me no absolutely not for me either you know but we we are men of 2013 and and hindsight is 2020. Well, maybe. I like to think if I was there in 1980, I'd still be like lining up a 20 pound Greer movie. But I mean, um, yeah. what's also interesting, I mean, just quickly to say, because of course the, the action show that I do, we, we did um, some Cynthia Rothrock movies lately. And, you know, we were looking around for sort of women in action. And you've got like Rothrock and you've got Michelle Yeo. And, the, you know, the, 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 there are some others. But we were looking specifically for some for people who do more of the kind of B-movie stuff that we cover. Yep. Um, and we didn't just want to do 50 Cynthia Rothrock movies because she really is. When you look at that, if you want a female version of your cigar, Jean-Claude Van Damme's blah, 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 blah. She really is practically the only one there's a couple of others but they're very hard to sort of track down and pick up uh if they're not working in asia and um if you just want american ones and yet pam Greer really you know she's she's an action star she's a you know yes of course some others sort of dip into comedy and some others can be labeled black exploitation and some others can be exploitation but sure. you know she's a chick with a gun man taking names and capping dudes and you know being she's she's been shooting and punching her way to the top since day one right yeah absolutely and and i i just think it's it's a shame even if she had descended into you know rothrock type fare of american b-movie action films it still would have been a much more satisfying 80s and 90s career for her than what happened you know what i mean yeah and even when, like, when you, the, the, the best thing about Jackie Brown, because I mean, I'm not going to give Tarantino a huge amount of credit, but the best thing about Jackie Brown is just the fact that she's still got it. Not only has she still got it, she's amazing. She's incredible. She's absolutely incredible in that. Yeah, she's she, she, absolutely she, amazing. She though. makes that movie, without a doubt. Right. Her, her and, um, oh, what's his name? Um,. You can say Michael Keaton. Oh no, you're going to say Robert Forster. Robert Forster, yeah. Right, and it, look, it's a perfect pairing. I mean, obviously Forster is in a ton of those yeah. uh, exploitation movies in the '70s, and he stars with um, uh, Fred Williamson in Vigilante. And I've noticed that the, from them, from Vigilante onwards, because Fred Williamson obviously went off and kind of started his own production company, yeah. and is like churning out three black exploitation type films every year more or less mm -hmm. um and For forrester is in a lot of those yeah uh and in fact i think that don't they come back for that larry cohen movie you mentioned it last last week the larry cohen joint with um uh williamson forrester and greer in it oh. which one's that one it's called like something uh what is it called it's called like up in the hood or something. Or is it is it bones? 
I don't know. No, it's not Bones. That's that horrible Snoop Dogg vampire movie. Um, How dare you say horrible? <laughs> it's a horrible. It's a pile uh, of shit, yeah. Yeah, it is. What was that called, the one that she did? I'm sorry, dude. I'm going to have to That's find That's okay. I'm looking it up myself here. When, when was this? I imagine it's in the 90s somewhere. Original Gangsters? Ah, yeah. Where's that? 96. Yeah, I think it's that one. Fred Williamson, Pam Greer, Jim Brown. Isn't Forrester in that one? Yep. Robert Forrester. Robert Char- Forrester Charles Napier, Wings Hauser. Yeah, and it's Larry Cohen. I mean, like, that's that's probably, like, the closest she comes to... I haven't seen that one. I want to see it. But... It's good. I, I mean, have... not, not good, but, like, quote-unquote good. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think it's also on uh, YouTube. I think you can track that one down on YouTube. Well, there you go. Um, but, uh, I, I, you know, personally, because I'm not really into the music, you know, there's a lot of that um, incorporate incorporation of sort of rap stars later on as the movies kind of go on in, like, the 90s and the new millennium. There's yeah. a lot of, like, if those B-movies are going to be made, it has to have a, you know, it has to have, like, a rap, a recognizable rap star of the day or whatever. Which, yeah. I mean, I, I don't have that much of a problem with it. I'm just not. Well, I mean, just think about it. I mean, every era has has had that sort of thing where, you know, it, it has to have a, a recognizable sort of uh, name to it. So I mean, oh sure, yeah, yeah, yeah you know, yeah. whatever. Um, but no, I mean, original gangsters actually had possibly one of the most drool worthy casts. If you're like a B movie fan, because <laughs> you've even got fucking Charles Napier in there. Yeah, and a movie's not a movie unless Napier shows up and does his Dennehy impression. Because <laughs> uh, I can never tell Napier and Dennehy apart. In fact, if Napier and Dennehy are in the same movie, my head explodes. <laughs> you um, know, it, well, you know, you know how I tell them apart. Uh, Dennehy has a, a, a barrel chest, whereas Napier doesn't. Right. It's it's a very subtle difference, but that's basically it. Yeah. Yeah. But no, but they're I both fantastic. If we're going to do our suggestions then before we wrap up, what what are we going to suggest from Let's do from all three decades of Pam. What are we going to suggest from the 70s first? All of them. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say basically basically if you want to start watching, I mean if you've never seen a Pam Greer film and you want to get into it, basically just start at the start at the Big Dollhouse, yeah. you know, and just work your way up. I mean there she does she doesn't do she doesn't do a bad movie at least until the 80s. So I mean just right. knock yourself out. I mean if 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 you only want to pick two I personally would say Coffee and Friday Foster. Sure. I know she's really known for Foxy Brown, and it is a great movie. But my personal taste, I'm going to pick Coffee and Friday Foster. Yeah, well, think, think about it this way. Friday Foster, Bucktown, um, Foxy Brown um, are all streaming on Netflix. Right. So, so watch them all. Yeah. Uh, from the 80s... Uh, Probably you've got to go with well if you can track down Badge of the Assassin, which is only available on VHS. Mm. I would strongly suggest it because it looks it looks awesome. Yeah, um, above the law. Above the law, since it's, it's one of the only good uh, Steven Seagal, Seagal films. His, his first eight or nine movies are good. Everything after I that, I don't is. agree with that at all. <laughs> <laughs> his his first movie is good. Uh, yeah. Hard to Kill is tremendous. Don't yeah. even you can't knock hard to kill. All right, fine. His first two movies are okay. Mm. <laughs> we we will argue about that. So, but I, yeah. I slap your hand you around the face. <laughs> um, Class of nineteen ninety nine, which is on the cusp, I guess. I would yeah, suggest nice. you watch that. Without I would suggest you watch Escape from LA because I don't buy into this whole thing that it's not as good as the original. 
because um, it's awesomely good fun. Uh, and then what after that? Again, after that, I guess it's Jackie Brown, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, Jackie Brown. I mean, if you want to, you know, I mean, she's good in Mars Attacks, but that movie's annoying. Um, I mean, you know, if you want to give original gangsters a look, you know, knock yourself out. Yeah, which I think is on YouTube. And it's also depressing. Like, I've just looked at Fortress 2 thinking, okay, yes, it's Fortress 2, but maybe she's, like, up the cast list somewhere because it's Fortress 2. Yeah. No, she's right down the cast list. She's probably in it for, like, one scene. Yeah. Um, now, I know she got ill, so, I mean, maybe it was something that, uh, you know, self-inflicted. She was just doing some cameos and things. But... Sure. I don't know, man. Someone needs to, apart from a Tarantino, someone needs to start giving us some leading roles because she's still damn good. Yeah. Indeed. Have you checked out The Man with the Iron Fists yet? I have not. I hear um, it's terrible. I hear it's really awful. Yeah. Which is which is really sad. I mean, you know, if, if if I think me and Doug had a very brief conversation about this once, but I mean, but basically it went sort of like this. If you would expect anyone and i mean anyone to make a good modern day uh like chopsaki style film you would sort of think that the members of the wu-tang clan would be able to do that because i don't know anybody who's more obsessed with with that sort of culture and those films than those guys are but no uh, from what i hear they they don't bring it no well, I mean, I mean, know, I'm sure the soundtrack is amazing, but I think it's probably, and I'm going to blame the curse of Eli Roth. That's why I'm just going to say. That. <laughs> well, I'm going to say that. Sure, sure. I, I mean, can't. I honestly can't name a decent film that man is involved with. So, yeah, it's it's. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, I, I mean, I know you're not a fan of Inglorious Bastards, but I really enjoyed it, despite right. him. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. But I see I didn't like it, so therefore I can still lay claim that I just do not know of a movie. Yeah, that whole which... that whole bear Jew thing, I just was not. It's not just that. It's the fact that it's it's one of those things where you're like, why does he have a career? Why does he have a like, you know? And not even in a sort of jealous. Oh, it should be no, no, no. Way. Exactly. I just exactly. mean in a like you look at him and you go, nope, not talented at writing, not I, talented at particularly directing. I have discovered through my many years of of watching and adoring film and and more so in playing music you know and i'm sure you can you can understand this as well that there is always going to be somebody out there getting more accolades you know uh getting un you know getting accolades they don't deserve you know based on the mediocre pap and bullshit that they're putting out it's just the way it works Oh, true. Almost yeah. every actress who isn't Pam Greer. Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> or Helen Mirren. Basically. Or Meryl Streep and Susan Sarandon. Yeah. But yeah, and I would also say, like, back on my earlier point very quickly, is that, you know, look, while as a, you know, red-blooded male, I've got no problem with the tetes coming out in a movie, <laughs> no problem at all, uh, as a serious film watcher, someone who watches movies and loves movies, you know... I question these actresses like Michelle Williams is one, uh, Anne Hathaway is another, that, you know, every single film, they're now getting their breasts out. And I'm like, I thought we'd left that behind and I thought people could be, you know, I thought 
you know, women were as important as guys were now. I thought it wasn't the 1950s anymore. No, 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 no. You got that wrong. Women's breasts are as important as the guys are. And understood. But it, <laughs> it, look, and I look, you know, and I know that this is going to come across sounding like I'm a prude or some shit or whatever. And I'm not at all. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying like, you know, I, I, I really don't understand why it's still a necessity in a, a script. Look, if, if you have like uh, in the kind of films they make, those actresses, Michelle Williams and Anne Hathaway in particular, in the yeah. kind of films they make, none of the films they make are, you know, if they were starring as, I don't know, shotgun-wielding chicks in a biker gang or something, you go, okay, fine, I can see why exactly. one might, you know, have them wearing chainmail uh, bra and nothing else. But, I like, in the movies they do, there's no reason. And then to palm them off as like serious drama and oh my god the performances nah 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 well that's well that's the but that's the big con right now that's that's the way it goes you know uh that and that's sort of the great thing that's i mean to me it's great i I love tits and movies but um (laughs) you know but that but that's sort of the the greatness of what's going on in hollywood right now is that is that producers and directors have actually convinced women that um, that to be a serious actor, they have to get naked. And you know what? I, I mean, I know, I, I understand exactly what you're saying, and to an extent, I agree with it, but I am never going to say no to looking at Anne Hathaway's tits. No, right, but yeah. it's an incredibly, you know, male, not not necessarily fully chauvinist, but it's definitely like a big male sexist thing, which, we, look, we all embrace, and we're all like, yeah, of course we love tits, just get over it and accept it, you know, yeah. show show them to us, show them to us, please. But, <laughs> uh, what I, but uh, you know, as, as someone in, in, invested also in um, uh, equality, and I am, because I don't believe, like, uh, sexism should be, like, one sex over the other, or, like, being a feminist should mean that women are better than men. I just think it should be equality across the board. Um, and, and and equality in the workplace, especially when you see it in movies now, and it just feels to me, like I say, if you're doing an exploitation movie, uh, yeah, go hog wild, do whatever the fuck you want. But if you're trying to do a serious, like, this chick suffers from an illness and we've got to try and save her type movie, you don't need to have your tits, tits. out of five minutes. Um, in fact, it's the only way you're going to get me in the theater is if you do. But I no, I just, you know, and and Michelle Williams, hers are depressing. Like, yeah, I'm I'm unimpressed. And, no, no, not not just with the titties, but with the movies she's in are oh. so unbelievably depressing. Oh, I thought you were even, talking about the tits. I was like, no, no, yeah, their tits are very depressing. That <laughs> even the sight of tits is depressing within her movie. Yeah, I hear you. That's what I'm saying. And, 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 and I'm just saying that there are better examples out there of how to do it and to do it properly than these situations where seemingly every actress does it because, you know, I just feel like we should get over it. Now, funny enough, I spoke to Barbara Crampton and I asked her that question. I said, you know, when you were doing it in the 80s, because she's sort of the queen of exploitation in the 80s, mm. for my money, like I think Barbara Crampton's a phenomenal actress. When she was doing it in the 80s, uh, I asked the question, I said, you know, did you feel forced into it? Did you feel, you know, like an actress had to in order to kind of go on to the next movie or whatever? Because you did a lot of nudity in your early career. And and funny enough, she said, no, to be honest, I've always been fairly uh, open, fairly, you know, um, you know, I'm not shy. I'm not. I was going to say her uh, her spread in Playboy would. uh would back that comment up pretty pretty well. Right, completely. Um, and, and, and so, 
you know, to some extent, she did it with with a similar sort of confidence as, as, sure. as Pam Greer. Sure. Not not quite, but but similar uh, and a similar kind of strength about it. But you know, I was interested in her saying that because you really kind of get the impression that the as the exploitation from the end of the seventies, the early eighties, it was just big, grubby, fatty, sweaty men in some room somewhere going, "Now get them out," you know, uh, and and. Clearly, it wasn't necessarily like, like a real, like a real life version of the film Scum of the Earth. Yeah, yeah, completely. Uh, but it's just, I just find it odd that there's still actresses doing it today. But Pam, she will always be the queen, and she always did it with dignity. And uh, yeah, loved her. She is amazing. She is amazing. I hope she listens to this. I hope she does too. She um... follows us both on Twitter. So. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, and on that note, yes. Because I have to go see Die Hard. <laughs> let's let's uh let's wrap this shit up. John, tell people where they can find you. You can find me at www.aftermoviediner.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash aftermoviediner. You can also find me uh, at Doctor Action the Kick Ass Kid Commentaries, which is uh, Doctor Action uh, uh, which is a weekly show where we do 80s and 90s action movies, do jokey commentaries. To oh, you guys, are up, also... you guys are up to weekly now? More or less, more oh, or okay. less. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, we've also set up a an action site where we kind of put news and articles and reviews and things like that, which you can find at, I think it's Dr. Action Exploding Blog dot blogspot.com. <laughs> And, uh, <laughs> and then also I started co-hosting a once a month show over with Mike Murphy from the Badasses, Boobs and Body Counts podcast. And that is the B-Movie Bargain Bin show. Uh, and I don't have the address to that right now. But you can find it if you Google B-Movie Bargain Bin. And I would urge you to because we're going to be looking at cheesy flicks uh, some of the, the films off cheesyflicks.com and they've got a great range so check it out alright alright good night everybody he's a bad film hating while I skating all the while masturbating that's, that's Mo Pawn yeah. yeah you are listening to couchcutter.com Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky? in line at the deli I guess aha in my dentist's office more than once actually do I have to say? yes you do in the car before my kids PTA meeting really? yes excuse me what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky I never win and tell well there you have it you can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com play for free right now are you feeling lucky? no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details